Hello, and welcome to the Tommyknocker Tapes. My name is Michael Bouchard, and I'll be your host. In this episode, I have two of my very favorite improvisers, uh, Jessica Austin and Lauren Ballman, who form the duo Boss, B-A-U-S. Now, if you've ever seen improv in Denver, you've seen Lauren and Jess, if not together in Boss, then together in Jane's Addiction, which was improvised Jane Austen, and possibly in the near future with their new group TBD, which I would go out on a limb and call a sort of Denver improv super group. Now, there is so much good information for beginners to people that are advanced in improv, but, you know, always learning. Um, so I just want to jump right into it. And so without further ado, I give you Lauren and Jess. All right. So I'm here with Jessica Austin and Lauren Ballman, the two members of the improv team Boss. Yes. Hi, guys. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. <laughs> uh, so I want to start off with you guys talking about improv, uh, just getting a clear definition of what improv is. I think everyone knows it as you get on stage and you make stuff up, um, but there's so much more to it than that. Um, so if you guys wouldn't mind explaining, kind of giving a general overview of the ins and outs of just improv in general and various styles. Yeah, so I, I teach a lot of improv lately, and some corporate, some advanced, and one caveat I always give to the corporate people is that they come in with this preconceived notion that improv is funny, that it's telling jokes, that it's being like wacky, derp, 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 and then they have to get up there and be hilarious, and that panics people, because the pressure's on to be funny. And what improv is, is honest reactions, it's listening, it's creating real-life situations and heightening them. And when you answer honestly from the top of your head, the, the results tend to be funny. So that's where the humor in improv comes from. If you do all those things, then the humor comes. But if you try to force the funny, then you're screwed. So really, improv is thinking from the top of your head and honestly reacting. And as far as genres go, I guess mm -hmm. you could say that it does break down into short form and long form. Short form would be your classic games, a sort of whose line is it anyway type. And long form is exactly that. Long form is more of a play style, I guess I would say. There's a lot of different forms that you could break it down into. but Which all have ridiculous names. names. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. all the... The bibbity bobbity bop bop. That's not one at all. <laughs> That's a theater. Um, you don't know. You don't know. No. It could be. No, the, ma the main one is, of course, is the Herald, um, but then it kind of breaks down from there. The Herald, the Laurent, the Monocene, Close Quarters, Pretty Flower. Pretty Flower, <laughs> which we doing. are working on, yes. Improvised with our new play. It's the Armando. The Armando. The Armando, exactly. Yeah. Named mm -hmm. after an actual person yeah. who I've met. Armando Diaz. Correct. Armando Diaz, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah an Ascat. And out of UCB is pretty much just an Armando. Yes. Yeah, with monologues. How do you guys feel currently about improv? I usually start this podcast off by asking, like, theater, is it vitals? I mean, I can throw the same thing <laughs> towards improv because there are so many people we're seeing now. I mean, there's Stephen Colbert, there's Amy, there's Tina. Steve Carell. I mean, the, the, everybody seems to have this huge improv background mm -hmm. all of a sudden that's blowing up on television. How are you seeing it kind of at the, the working level? Well, first, I love that fusion that I'm kind of seeing more of, of seeing people who are now in a lot of TV and movies that had their background in improv. And so then you're seeing what acting based off of improv can look like. I feel like every actor should at some point in their life just suck it up and take an improv class. I feel like a lot of actors are really scared of improv for some reason, which I find funny. But as far as the current state of improv, I'm really excited about it. I feel like it's evolving... Especially here in Denver, I feel like there's a lot 
that's new, that's coming up. People are trying new things, and I think it's I think it's a really cool time to be doing comedy. Well, and what's so cool about that also is like like you mentioned Tina and Amy. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler have given us all this huge gift of making improv not stupid. <laughs> um, improv is like it's it was a punchline on Family Guy. It's like what the weird guy in your dorm did sure. freshman year, Brian sure. McManus. Um, <laughs> What? He did on improv in my college. Um, but he still might be that weird guy. We love you, Brian. He's still the weird guy in the dorm. He just doesn't live in a dorm. But it was like, you know, the, the kind of weird guys in your high school would practice it in their mom's basement. And you're like, oh, they're just making funny, weird noises and throwing their hands in the air. And their friends would come see him like in a garage. But suddenly, Amy and Tina and all these amazing, relevant performers made it cool. And so when you drop their name in an improv class or in a conversation, people know who Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are. You mentioned TJ and Dave, who are huge improvisers in Chicago. People are like, I don't really know. But now we've got these stars, legit stars, who hosted the Golden Globes as representatives of improv. And people do know that they're like, oh, TJ and if you tell Mm -hmm. them they're the guys who do the Sonic commercials. Yeah, TJ and Dave do the Sonic commercials. I know those guys. They do. They're amazing improvisers. Mm -hmm. Uh So... Um, well, and honestly, I mean, that's how I got started. Short form improv didn't appeal to me at all. It's not my skill set. I'm mm-hmm. not very good at it. I, I'm not a cut to the joke kind of person. And so I didn't really take a whole lot of improv classes. And then it wasn't until I got turned on to long form that I sat back and went, whoa, this mm-hmm. is what improv can be. Um, and it kind of blew my mind and it made me want to pursue that more. So, um, I think that that's really exciting that it doesn't have to just be the jokey, jokey, derp, derp, derp stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be something much more profound than that. Some of the best improv I've ever seen in my life wasn't even funny. Right. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a, a couple of heralds that were deadly serious that were amazing and weren't really that funny at all or were kind of funny because of the truth of the circumstances. Right. And that's exciting to me. I think that's very cool. Well, in short form is like the little bit of candy that lures you in. Mm -hmm. They're like, ooh, piece of candy. (laughs) (laughs) And the audiences are like, oh, that's neat. There's this theater in Florida that has their short form show at like seven and then at nine, you can stay for a long form show. Oh, cool. So that's like, oh, did you like that? Come see the good, like, quality art. Yeah. So, like, short forms, jokey, gamey. Um, I find the best short form still has a basis in reality. Mm-hmm. If you just get up and scream, it's not that funny. Right. Um, but then, you know, the short or long form is storytelling, it's art. And I love when you can get past, like, unrelated montages and tell a story, do something where the stakes are real, and you've created a quality character. That's interesting to me. Or how, you know, you have the Herald and you have like three beats, but then you find a way to tie all the stories together. That is so smart! <laughs> and I guess that that's what's, as far as however you feel about the the future of improv mm-hmm. and being excited about it, that's one thing that excites me is I feel like maybe it's because we're doing this new thing, we're forming a new long-form group. Um, and I feel like there's kind of this wave catching of people going, okay, so we don't, improv even long-form doesn't have to just be us standing on stage talking at each other, it can be this bigger thing and creating these stories and making this little play and making or whatever, you know, we decide to do. And I think that that's the direction a lot of it's head, heading in. And I think that's really great. Well, and Denver is a improv city is on the way up. Yes. If you look at the Wikipedia article for improv, which mm-hmm. I did last week, cause I was asked to teach some improv history and I was like, Oh, <laughs> Wikipedia, <laughs> it has history. <laughs> it has history. The Wikipedia article is like improv is huge in these cities, Chicago, New York, LA, Austin. 
And then it's like, and it's gaining popularity in Portland, blah, 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 Denver. So Denver's on the way up, and um, we're starting to get more national recognition. We're still not top, and I think we're getting there. We're in this like sort of like puberty. Right. Where we're, we're figuring out, like, our voices are changing. Denver's like the preteen in <laughs> we're the We're the Jan Brady in right now. We still just, have our braces on, but they're coming off soon. Yes, we're going to have a date with George Glass suit. Uh, so Denver's on its way up. We're just kind of finding our legs. It's really cool to see new theaters emerge, new groups emerge. Performers that left, like New York and Chicago, are coming back. So they're coming back with, like, really strong training and, like, strengthening the general population. It's pretty cool. Oh, Jessica, you don't have to talk about me like that. <laughs> yeah. Lauren Ballman from the Upright Citizens Brigade. Kat Bond from... Where's Kat Bond for? She trained... You snow. She, she, Second City. city? She oh, went so to Chicago. She's gotcha. amazing. Sorry. My question would be, what are some things that you see a lot of improvers doing, whether they're advanced mm-hmm. or amateur? Like, what are some, I guess, major mistakes, big mm-hmm. mistakes that you see happening far too often that can be easily remedied? Because this is the simple kind of nitty-gritty stuff that mm-hmm. I would want to know, and I hope anyone listening would want to know as well. Uh, uh, go ahead. Well, first, go of first. All, first of all, improvisers get pissy when you call them improvers. Really? Yeah. It's really they interesting. They I actually kind of just did this we a little bit, but I didn't want to say anything. So we just... <laughs> <laughs> so there's your first lesson. First lesson. It's, it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, you're an improver. And no, even theater, most actors say improver. And we're all like, it's improviser. It's improviser. So that's the first that's thing. The first it's like instead the of... The first say, thing is improviser. It's like saying thespian instead of thespian. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. Don't <laughs> be that guy. guy. No one wants to be that guy. No, no, no. 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 No, that is what... So, um, yeah. <laughs> Once you learn what your type of performance is called, what you're called as an improviser... <laughs> I think the first thing to be careful of is asking questions. <clears throat> right. Because when yes. you ask questions, it shows that you're unsure and that you're kind of wasting space. If I'm like, where are we? Who are you? I'm telling you to take the power in the scene. I'm just spewing words and wasting everybody's time. My biggest thing mm-hmm. is not listening right? and just feeling, and this is something I, I mean, I can recognize this because I did this a lot when I was first, um, starting with improv, you just talk, you're just talking, 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 right. because you have all these ideas and they're so funny and you want to get them out first and you want to be the first person to say this thing and you want to do that. You would be amazed at how much you will improve if you just mm-hmm. stop talking Look at your partner and just give it a second. It's okay. Silence is okay. But listening, yes, listening is a big thing. Um, you see people, I see people all the time that, well, I tell Jessica all the time, my, my least favorite thing is talking head prov, I call it now, uh-huh. where it's just a character or two or three standing on the stage talking and right. the scene's not going anywhere. And they're not giving each other gifts of information or of character or anything. They're just Two or three people standing on it's stage. It's like two people talking. who barely know each other in a vacuum. In a really awkward, uh-huh. just empty space. And yeah. it kind of feels like waiting for Godot, but not. But good. not. <laughs> that, to me, makes it makes me just, I can't. So my biggest advice in that would just be to listen, to shut up if you need to, and to contribute when you're adding information to the scene. The whole yes and thing. It's, it's funny, but it's true. I mean, yes and really is... It's very important. Also, uh, 
bit that I've been noticing is somebody gets into a scene and they get so panicked that they spew out all the information up top. Like if my offer to you, Michael, was, oh, hey, I brought you this Diet Coke. You'd be like, oh, because it's so hot outside and I really like caffeine and also you're my neighbor who has a corgi and you're recently divorced. Right. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. We've got that time. Yeah. Whereas if you just say, thank you for the Diet Coke, thanks, I was thirsty. There's the, we there you go. Right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. We just, we don't need to finish in 30 seconds. Right. We have 20 minutes. Right. It's funny. I feel like there's this fine line you walk. As an improviser, <laughs> where you are as an needing to be very... I remember when I first started going to UCB, they have everywhere, their whole motto is don't think. And I first went, well, that's ridiculous. How can I not <laughs> think? Right. But it's, it is. It's this fine line of you are thinking because you need to be listening and you need to be paying attention and you need to be a little ahead of yourself. But at the same time, if you get stuck in your own brain, that's your downfall. So treading that line, I think, is what some amazing mm-hmm. improvisers do. When I see people who can kind of go with the flow and be ahead of it, but still be right in the mm-hmm. moment, that's where you want to be. That's the sweet spot. Well, there's, um, there's an exercise I do as a warm-up with all my teams, beginners to advance, called categories, where basically you say a category of things we all shoes, Lauren says Tom's, I say boots, you say Converse, and we all go yay. And I would rather in that exercise have somebody say the wrong thing. If I say shoes and you're like, wine glass, great. Or if I say shoes and you go, I would rather have you make an active sound with your face because that takes this filter between your brain and your mouth out. And when you have that filter, it tells us we're not smart enough, our ideas aren't good, and we start to um. It's like, oh, I'm not being, uh, this isn't right. And when you have that on stage, there's these awkward pauses where you're not in the moment. You're like, am I going to say the funniest thing? Oh my gosh, what am, what am I doing? But if on stage you fail and I say the wrong thing, but I trust that this connection is going to happen, the scene still moves along. Right. And eventually you get it to work out where the right thing does come out. Where the wrong wine glass right. isn't what I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. <laughs> Just in general. So... Yeah, it's, it's exercising a tool. Singers have to work their voice. We have to work our instincts. Right. You know, trust your brains. And I guess that's the difference then between what Lauren was saying, between like a, an active engagement mm-hmm. of listening, even if it's silent, as opposed to a silence where it's just one person stuck in their brain. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're sitting here making like a pained expression. Like, I don't know what to say. It's very different than cocking one eyebrow, picking up a thing of peanuts and opening them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw that? that. Her wear work is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Wear work peanuts. That actually leads me to my next question. Um, because it's, it's about learnable skills now. Yeah. So those are the mistakes that a lot of people make and they can easily mm-hmm. fix. Getting into this, though, everyone would say, if we're, talking, if we're talking about dancing, we're talking about acting, everyone's first answer is get ye to a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you could do me a quick favor and just name off, we've already mentioned UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Mm-hmm. What are some other groups, schools, styles, books, anything that someone can get their hands on um, to further themselves in comedy? And then as an addendum to that, uh, what are specific skills that you guys think might be the first things that if you were back in school and learning that you would want to nail down. If you could go back to earlier you and be like, hey, work on this. It's going to be super important. (laughs) It may may overlap, but with what you just said, but still. So, well, um, you know, I'm assuming a lot of people who listen to this are in Denver. So I know you can't go out to Upper Citizen Brigade or go Brigade or go to Chicago and go to Second City or go to Improv Olympic. If you can, please do that. You'll love it. But yes, there are some really good books. I've got Truth and Comedy sitting next to me right now. It is my improv Bible. 
that's where the foundation for Upright Citizens Brigade came from. So if you want something to read that is just a good basic, it's going to tell you a lot about the Herald. How, and it's also just a lot of really good basics on where Del Close came from and his beliefs about improv. And it's, Del Close being kind of the father of Yes, improv. Del Close, he, he, he was a... <laughs> He was a crazy man, but damn, he taught some amazing people. I mean, his his list of of who learned from him is just everybody. Everybody did. And I mean, that's where UCB came from, was they were all in class with Del Close, and then they moved on. I would say read that. And as far as skills, yeah, being a good listener, being being willing to just let it all go and just and just try. Try new things. Try if you if you look like a jackass. Who cares? Don't let a little leave a little of your fear at the door. If you're taking a class, just go for it because you will find some of the best things about yourself um, and what you can really do if you just just do well, it. And the UCB has a new book out. It's their yes, improv. Impro- That's manual? very good as well. What's it yes, called? there is the improvisation. Everybody but Amy Poehler wrote it. <laughs> the three dudes wrote it. <laughs> Amy wrote her own book. Amy's a um, bit busy. Amy wrote her own book. She started um, a show, whatever. Yeah, their it? book is very... I have it. it. I think it is called just... The Upright Citizens Brigade Improvisation, improvisation Manual. Or, improvisation Manual. Yeah. Yeah, that came out a couple of years ago. And that's very good as well. Yeah. But just like acting, just like dance, you can't read a Wikipedia article or a book and learn how to do it. Because from the outside in, it looks very easy. You're like, oh, I say yes and. Okay. What You watch performers who are improvising. And you're like, I could do that. And then you get up there and you're like, oh, no. Oh, damn. Yeah. But getting a coach or taking a class or calling one of your friends who has done a lot of improv and like, come, come help me. Uh, usually we're up for playing. Um, and really these skills are not just valuable because you want to take an improv class and you want to be on an improv team or you want to, mm-hmm. I know for me personally, I have gotten a lot out of it, especially if you're auditioning right now for oh, a film my God. And, can, right. and commercials. I feel like, it, especially over the past couple of years, <clears throat> I've had auditions where they specifically say, we want actors with good improv skills. Because they're literally handing you a copy that's like a couple of lines and going, go ahead, fill the rest of it in. Do right. our writing for us. Basically, exactly. Yeah. Because they're lazy. <laughs> no, but because it, it, it really, it's happening more and more where I feel like, I feel like... Lord, we're in this town again. And I just... <laughs> Made myself unhirable, but I told the truth. And I'll never work in film or truth and comedy, folks. Um, no, but but really, I feel like I feel like even I've gone to a couple of stage auditions where they're like, "Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, reading these sides is great, but why don't you two get up there and just talk about your relationship or whatever?" And if and, and so it doesn't hurt to just take a class. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Jessica here teaches at the Denver Center, and you can oh, take a, an entry level class, and it would be fabulous. Well, but these skills. <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's off-putting for an actor with training, actor training, mm-hmm. to take a level one improv class. Oh, yeah. Because the first time I took it, I was like, I know how to stand on stage. Yeah. Right. I'm not uncomfortable I'm up here. I'm over this. I was a little, I'm over this. Right. I made it through a level and a half at a local training center. Not that it was a bad training center. It was a great training center. I kind of want to go back again now that I'm not an, I'm less of an asshole. I'm an asshole <laughs> with a different perspective. But, <laughs> but it is, how do you stand on stage? A lot of the games we did in college, woo. Mm-hmm making sound, being a monkey, that stuff you do in a level one to free yourself up and have a lot of playtime. Whereas improv skills, the how do you get on stage and build these skills, how do you change your reactions, how do you trust your brain, don't come into play until like level two or three. So most level ones, actors like us are like, eh. Well, and I have to say that my 
my view on training is a little skewed because I did go to UCB and I took all my classes there mm-hmm. and they very much have a training plan where they are training you to do a herald. So your, your intro class is very much an intro class, but then from there on out, I mean, my level two was all about the game, mm-hmm. the game of the scene. It was an entire eight week course about so the cool. game of the scene. Mm-hmm. And you don't even get to do a herald until your level three. Their program was structured in a very different way than I think anything you would find maybe in Denver um, mm-hmm. because it was tailored specifically to their school and their shows, and um, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful foundation to have, but but that's just I guess it does yeah. depend on one's background. If, if you are right. a, a, an amateur or a beginning actor of any kind, I think going to get an improv class level one is gold. Oh, yeah. 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 And it will just free you up so much in general. I mean not thinking so much about what you're doing with your body or what, uh, what you're saying, or that's, those are good skills. Even though when you're in a play, yes, you're given a script. So that's the main difference. You still need to have some of those skills. Well, then you're able to take direction like a boss, right? Like improv turns you into like this little tight turning race car. Because the director's like, hey, I need you to be more angry in the, during this side. You're auditioning. You're like, uh, I prepped it a different way. You right. need angry? I can bring you angry. Like, mm-hmm. you're so, we're so used to being able to turn things on a dime, go with the flow in a huge way, and make big choices. Right. Usually you have to dial improvisers back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. but I think that having that skill and really being able to just veer off in a believable, grounded way is something that improv gives you. Right. I just I think improvisers are fantastic actors because they listen so hard. Yes. And they're like, all right, what are you doing? I'm going to react to that. You're doing something I'm different gonna tonight? I'm going to react to that so hard. I'm going to react to that so hard. You I'm going to react the hell out of this. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, as you mentioned before, that gives them, a, those individuals, a bit of a leg up in sort of wily auditions. Where yes. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. here's your script and play. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And Which really, is so I, I much mean, more and film more. And television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so much more. Well, I felt way more I'm confident as a performer since I started doing improv. Same. Yeah, it's kind of like, whatever. Yeah. I like me. <laughs> I'll be yeah. okay with it. You like I've, you I've been on stage doing some really dumb, dumb crap in some <laughs> improv shows, so me reading this side at a callback is nothing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right, and it should take the fear of not having anything in front of you away. Right. This is, mm-hmm. well, if I don't have a script, this is just improv at base. It's fine. Of, of yeah, which exactly. then if you have experience, then that's normal and okay, mm-hmm. as opposed to a terrifying random event mm-hmm. in one's auditioning life. <laughs> well, you know, it's crazy. I, um, when I first experienced improv in college, I auditioned for my college improv group that I didn't get in. Brian McManus. What? <laughs> um, no, and I had a bad audition because I didn't... Because you mentioned, Lauren mentioned actors are scared of improv, but I feel like also some actors think they're really good at it just naturally because I went to theater school, so I'm good at improv. Oh, sure. So I sucked because I wasn't listening and I didn't understand. And I was like, I gotta be funny. I gotta be funny. It was terrible. And then years later, as a working actor, I auditioned for, I auditioned for Living History at the Denver Center. And mm-hmm. we had an audition, an uh, improv component. <laughs> I sucked at it. <laughs> I tanked that audition because I didn't understand. I was like, improv, just go, make it up and be funny. And, derp, derp. and that's my sound effect. <laughs> I love that. Right. Derp, derp, derp. But it was like, <laughs> I'm going to spew all these things out. And I didn't understand the basic tenets of listening, waiting for it, mm-hmm. and th- saying something yes-anding back. So, right. man, I had all kinds of bad auditions until I really started studying. And taking, taking the pressure off of yourself to be funny, it, just do it. 
It will make your life a lot easier. Smart improvisers are the best improvisers. How would you define a smart improviser? Yes. I think it is. Well, we're talking about humor. We talked a little bit about this before the podcast started. Right. But if you go with poop humor or mm-hmm. poop fart bodily function, that's lowbrow. Um, yes. And some drunk late night crowds at the clubs will enjoy it. But I'm not going to get anything out of it. It's being shocking on purpose. And that's where you get into bathroom humor, where you get into profanity, where you get into racial stereotypes, um, gender role stereotypes. And it gets a little bit ugly. And you never know. I mean, sometimes your audience might yell out a really (laughs) weird suggestion. And how much better is it if you can take that really lowbrow suggestion and elevate it to something they didn't even think would happen? So a smart improviser has a new point of view. It's like, I can come at it from this angle, this angle, this angle. If your suggestion is tampon, okay, the audience wants to see you doing something disgusting with the tampon. Right. But if you can come out to, I've just asked my boyfriend to go to the store and buy me something, Mm -hmm. that's a different angle. Um, The machine is stuck. That's a different angle. A husband (laughs) found something under the sink and doesn't get it. That's a different angle. It's all smarter and still honest to life than what you would expect from a scene about tampons. Right. And that line of played at the top of your intelligence mm-hmm. is something that I have always tried to follow. And playing to the top of your intelligence doesn't always mean you have to be the smartest character on stage. It just means that whatever level you're at, you could be a dumb character, you could be an idiot. Mm-hmm. But how does that how high does that idiot's level of intelligence go? What would they know in this world that they're in? And play to that. Don't be stupid. Don't sit up there and go, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Because where is the scene going to go from there? You, right. Yeah. Uh, I hate the scenes where somebody doesn't know something. I got yelled at once because I, I have the lowest grasp of Spanish. I'm 13% <laughs> fluent in French, though, on Duolingo. Oh, nice. Hey. You're, you passed me up. Pass you. <laughs> but Spanish, no. But in a scene, somebody said something to me in Spanish, and I was like, I don't know what that means. And the director, this was an impulse, he's like, Jessica, no. You, you know, know what, what that, that means, means in Spanish. Don't be dumb. And he's like, you need to be the you need to be the smartest person you can be on stage right now. Mm-hmm. And now my favorite character is kind of what Lauren is going to is the smart idiot, the idiot who thinks he's a genius. Right. Is one of my Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. And that's a way to get around things when you don't know. Right. Just acting as if you do, making a choice exactly. and going with it. And it's so funny. And as an audience member, watching that struggle is so much more exciting than watching somebody who's just sitting on stage going, oh, right. Right. Uh, there's a great yeah. story about Chris Farley in Sharna Halpern's book, and the name of it is eluding me. I'll Google it. But uh, the suggestion was futon, and Chris Farley didn't know what a futon was. But it's being like, I don't know what a futon is. He, I think he thought it was some sort of like Chinese dish. So he's talking <laughs> about ordering up some futons and having futon for dinner, and he's committing 100% because he's got the tiniest sliver of what he thinks it is, and he is going 100% for it. <laughs> and that's what I love. Oh, you yes. don't know what that word means? Make something up. It's improv. No one's grading you at the end of the day. Right. Right. Mm. Parting thoughts? No. (laughs) Yeah, parting thoughts. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say. You can't do that. No, that's that's not true. It's totally impossible in this interview. No, but. That's the opposite of yes and. I think everybody should take an improv class or a workshop just to see what it's like. Go to a drop-in class. I mean, there's some places that do drop-in mm-hmm. classes where you can go pay five bucks and just go play for a couple hours. And um, no pressure. Ask around for what the really good shows are. We can steer you to good ones and things like, well, that's sort of intramural softball. Yeah. Um, yeah, because seeing it is important, too. Mm-hmm. I think, And I think when oh, you're right. in classes, um, still going to see it. It sounds like a simple thing to say, but it's really true. Find some stuff on YouTube. Watch the old Upper Citizens Brigade show. But yeah, as far as parting thoughts go, I guess I'd just say that 
I'm inspired. I'm inspired by the direction that Denver's going. And I think we can do a lot of great things. There's a lot of really good, funny, talented people in this town. So let's make it happen. Yeah. I say. I'm excited that the art of the form is starting to come into Denver a little yeah, bit Yeah, it's starting to be recognized as not just comedy sports whose line is in any way games. I think a lot of people are seeing what improv can do, and I think that's really pretty exciting. Well, Lauren Bauman, Jessica Austin, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you, you, Michael Bouchard. This was super fun. And I'd like to thank you for listening. I want to again thank Lauren and Jessica for not only being informative but hilarious guests and also mention that if you'd like to take an improv class with Jess, I'll leave a link to the Denver Center's Education Department in the description. The theme music for the Tommy Knocker Tapes is, as always, generously provided by the band Forebear. So, if you like what you hear, you can find more at F-O-R-E-B-E-A-R dot L-A. So, I guess a good example of a yes and would be like, Hey, Lauren, my wine glass is empty. Yes, and it would make me so thrilled if I could fill that up for you. This is a genius interview, and it's also <laughs> a really, really good improv technique. Um, yes, the yes and, I, I will clarify if people are hearing us say yes and over and over and you don't understand what that means. It's it's taking what your partner has given you, um, responding to it in a positive manner, and then adding additional information. So it's not just, yes, your wine glass is empty. But I'd like to point out to the friends at home that Michael's wine glass is empty and Lauren is making no move to refill it. Which is That's fine. That's I kept talking. We're in the middle of an interview. <laughs> it's perfectly okay. Now she's yes-anding him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I broke my table. Yes, and. Yes, and. It's from Ikea. I'll get you a new one. I don't know if I'm going to edit this out or not. <laughs> I don't think you should. <laughs> this is a great lull. This, because while, there's truth in comedy. <laughs> while it's lulling, my chair's kind of making farty noises. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. We just talked a really long time.